Welcome to episode 49 of the Acario podcast. In this conversation, Shane and I are talking about the hero's journey. For those of you who aren't aware of the hero's journey, don't worry about it, because in this episode we talk all about what it is, the 12 steps of the hero's journey, and we talk about the benefits of applying this story structure to the narrative of your own life. As a coach, it's often the case that when people first come to see me, they often see their life not as a triumphant hero's journey, but as a tragic mistake, as a series of unfortunate events that paints them as a hopeless victim. It's very much the case that when I apply the hero's journey and walk them through it step by step, like I try to do with Shane in this episode, the narrative of their life often changes. They feel more motivated, they feel more inspired, and they often feel more resilient when the dark stuff, the difficult stuff, the challenges come up. So it's my hope that by the end of this episode, you will be able to apply this hero's journey to your own life too. The show notes for this episode can be found at ikario.com forward slash 049. And with that, let's get into the episode. Jane, how you doing, mate? Ollie. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Still in Romania. Yeah, yeah. For the time being. Can't wait till you get to can't wait till you can get your ass back in Lisbon, mate. I mean, probably it's a matter of weeks now. We'll see. As opposed to months. Yeah. <laughs> All right, lovely. Well, in uh, for the time being, we'll just uh, make do with this Zoom setup until we can get mm. these sexy, sexy microphones back on the go. And for the yeah, audience listening to this, uh, we will resume our silky sweet audio shortly yeah. and we admire yeah damn the, we have this we have this sweet podcasting setup just sitting there being neglected <laughs> tragic exactly this is this is as good as it gets we're still using <laughs> this weird jabra headset micro headset microphone setup so yeah anyone listening we admire your patience well anyway we have a we have a comment again we uh, mentioned a, a fair few episodes now we've, we've talked about this weird phenomenon where people leave a, a long ass comment and youtube just flags it as spam and gets rid of it for some reason not but, even uh, right not not even it doesn't even show up in spam it just disappears the only way we know that it happens is that you get the email notification before it gets eaten up by youtube <laughs> but uh, then okay, you, you yeah, can't yeah. even it's not even in in flagged or anything it just disappears anyway happens every yeah. once in a while and we got another comment that we want to highlight here because it's really a shame that, that youtube just uh, disappears them like that yeah it is it's, it's, it's dodgy um but anyway we have received it we got it through the email so this is from hazel and it's a it's a very chunky comment so we thank you hazel for that but we're gonna we're gonna attempt to condense it down to the gist so Hazel, Shane, uh, is expressing general appreciation for the wealth building course. And for anyone listening to this who hasn't quite encountered that yet, hasn't heard about it, we did talk about it on a podcast episode, which I will link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it is a free wealth building course that Shane put together, just seemingly whipped up in a, a number of hours. <laughs> and if you want to build that level of productivity, we also have the 21 days of <laughs> as well, if you want to check that out. <laughs> Um, wow. yeah, two, so two, two promos in one although to, to be clear <laughs> to be clear the health building the, the, the wealth building course is free right you can you can even watch it on youtube it just it's free but yeah, yeah. go ahead <laughs> true actually yeah it's free we've got to we've even put it put it out on on youtube yeah two two yeah. videos 
But yeah, you can check that out. So Hazel is expressing appreciation for that. Um, and there's a specific point about this that she mentions that really helped her. Because uh, part, as part of your wealth building course that you put together, there's this uh, principle that you share about the, you know, um, four percent of two two million. Mm -hmm. So is that that's the amount that you should you should hope to to sort of save up as your own freedom number, right? I, I just gave that as an example. I gave that as an example of, I think it's important to have a clear goal and 4% of 2 million is an example of a goal where you could basically, you would earn all your income at that point simply from your investments and you only take 4% out per year. So you'd probably keep growing that pile. And it's, I think it's important to give an example like this because, because most people aren't even aware that that's possible, right? You can basically get paid purely for having money. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, 4% of 2 million is, is um, 80,000. So you would pay yourself $80,000 per year, which is you know, a higher salary than most people get, doing literally nothing, right? <laughs> and that is what actually passive income is. There's a lot of talk about passive income where people are like, oh, I'm doing a side hustle. It's passive income. No, it's not passive income. You're working for this money. Um, this is passive income. You're just sitting on a portfolio and you're pulling out $80,000 a year and your portfolio keeps growing. That's passive income. And it's important to have a very clear goal. You say, this is what I'm working towards. Right Now, for, for most people, building a $2 million portfolio would be a very long-term goal. That might be like your lifetime. You know, That's what you retire on, right? Uh, because unless you do something very entrepreneurial, it's going to take you um, a couple of decades to do this, but it's possible. Um, but this freedom number or this number where you can say at this point, I'm just living off of the, off of the interest on my portfolio, essentially, is going to be different for everyone. I just gave that as an example. Got you. Well, the, uh, the concept of that as like your freedom number is something that she really benefited from. And she mentioned a book actually called Five Steps to Retire in Five Years by Jason Fieber, where according to Hazel, uh, he shares a similar philosophy and approach to you. So he suggests a practical number in the book, which is to build a $200,000 portfolio that generates 10,000 passive income in five years uh, to retire yourself from your job. And uh, mm -hmm. Hazel acknowledges that not everyone's able to live off just 10,000 a year, but actually for her, it's, it's, it's very possible. Mm -hmm. um, so she's... Uh, it's just a start to aim for before she gets to $1.5 million, which is her number. Mm. Um, but she mentions that this, this uh, actually really helps her motivation to do this, to have a clear number, which is precisely what you talk about in the course is having a, a solid number to shoot for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I think that's, and it's really cool to see. And also thank you for sharing, sharing that book. I didn't know about this book. Um, and I always love it when people, you know, share other resources and things. Uh, I think that's really cool. And yeah, I, I'm happy to see that this is useful. And this is also, you know, the reason I shared this whole course is because I just over the years learned so many things about wealth building. I'm like, holy shit, why did nobody ever tell me this, you know? Um, and, and yeah, this, I think a lot of people have this much more vague idea of, yeah, I guess I'm going to save up and something you know it's like very vague you just kind of hope that future you will have more money than you pretty much right um and having a very specific goal where you say this is the number i work towards and understanding how you're actually going to live off of that number it's not just i'm going to save up until i retire and then i'm just gonna live off of my savings and like you know 
you try to time it so that that you're you don't cross zero before you die you know <laughs> that's not a great retirement plan <laughs> <laughs> needless to say um but she mentioned that uh you know the, the book itself it's not specific it I mean it does a similar thing to the wealth course and that it's meant to give you a different perspective about freedom and money um which gets you to the right mindset and habits that open up your wealth building opportunities which according to hazel is far more valuable to her than learning a specific investing tactic or something like it totally yeah and this is also look i think this is kind of the this is the, the one leveling up you have to do if you get into this if you get into the pursuit of financial freedom it really is like that, like, you know, at the lowest level are people who are looking for a specific tactic, a specific thing. Those are also related to the last episode, you know, mental self-defense, people getting scammed. Those are the people who get scammed. If you're looking for someone to tell you, you know, buy this stock or buy this crypto or buy whatever, you put your money here and then that will give you the guaranteed returns. That's exactly how you get scammed, right? So, I think it's really important that you level up. You have to go past that where you're just waiting for someone else to tell you the secret to getting rich quickly. And instead, just like Hazel says, like develop the knowledge, develop the mindset so that you can actually make your own decisions. This is a crucial step. Like you have to level up to there to really start. You know, that gets you to the starting line of building wealth. As long as you're still, um, I mean, it's kind of a, I, I don't mean this in a, in a mean way, but I see it as like almost, you know, the, the confused masses, like the confused masses hoping to, hoping that this guru is going to tell them the secret or hoping that this meme stock or whatever is going to do them, do it for them. You know, they're basically just looking for the one thing and that's just not how it works. You have to, in order to get to the start line of this race, you have to get to the point where you go, no, actually I want to level up the way I think about this and my knowledge of this. And, and I'm going to do I'm going to actually do this, you know? Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, thank you for that, Hazel. Once again, sorry your comment got swallowed, but it was uh, very yeah. useful. And uh, we always appreciate feedback. We always appreciate people stroking our egos. So thank you again. <laughs> yes, you you're again always welcome to say nice things about us. <laughs> <laughs> always. We will not uh, resist that. All right. Well, uh, well anyway. Shall we get uh, into the topic of today's episode, Shane? Let's do it, yeah. All right, let's dive in. So today's topic is on the hero's journey. What do you know about the hero's journey, Shane? Well, the hero's journey, right, it comes from a hero with a thousand faces. Um, and it's this idea that if you look at stories and fables and whatnot, you see this common pattern that repeats in story after story after story, which has been dubbed the hero's journey, where it's basically always you have um, uh, the protagonist, the hero starts in some state of equilibrium. And then there is an inciting incident. There's some something terrible happens that throws everything out of equilibrium. So, you know, the hero grows up in a peaceful village and then the big bad comes along, you know, the army of orcs or whatever comes along and they burn everything down and the hero loses everything. So you have this arc where there's first like a great loss and a great pain and the hero is thrust into a new situation that initially he can't deal with. And then there's usually, um, you know, there's the struggle and everything seems hopeless 
And then there's usually the appearance of some kind of a mentor figure. Um, you know, this would be your, your uh, Yoda shows up and gives some wise advice or trains the hero. There's a training montage usually at this point. <laughs> and, yeah, sure and, uh, <laughs> and, and so the, the hero learns to, basically the hero grows in a way, right? And learns to, instead of being crushed by the, by the difficult circumstances, learns to overcome them, it becomes... Uh, stronger and then confronts the big bad confronts whatever caused the cataclysmic event and then there's usually some final um, confrontation and showdown and the hero thanks to everything he learned on this journey uh, can overcome the evil and then there's usually a return into a return back to equilibrium except that the hero is a changed person right so you get back to the point where now the village is peaceful again but our hero who started off as maybe, you know, a, a naive farmer's boy is now like a strong leader and is, you know, somehow he basically has grown through this journey. And this is essentially the, in roughly these beats, you can just see these in so, so many stories. Um, and it is also essentially teaches us a lesson about human nature and about life, which is that in order for this growth to happen, so in order for the naive farm boy to become a strong leader or the future king or whatever, he has to go through this experience. There has to be this adversity. There has to be an inciting incident and an overcoming of great challenges. Otherwise, this won't happen. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically the hero's journey. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you summed it up uh, pretty damn well. Um, so there's there's something about that. You know, I mean, I'll mention this a little bit more later. I'll I'll talk about this, but there is the the sort of um, motif as well that through the the journey, the hero essentially loses something of himself. Um, like uh, you'll, for example, in Norse mythology, the god uh, Odin went on his hero's journey, mm. and through various trials, ended up strung up from the tree, the world tree, Yggdrasil, by his feet <laughs> and uh, had crows peck out one of his eyes, um, mm. which is the, um, I think I think that was kind of like, that's a motif that symbolizes the, the cost of wisdom, really, is mm. that you, uh, you he, through that, he gained insight as to every corner of the known universe, but also lost an eye in the process and his naivety in a way. But anyway, we can talk a bit more about that later, but um, I just wanted to talk about why I'm bringing this up today and how this sort of, the topic of this episode was chosen. Um, so uh, recently in my own private coaching uh, business, I've been putting together like a sort of a few, just, just tightening things up instead of just people booking sessions, putting them through a process, like a journey kind of thing. And early on in this process, I've been running through a, um, a hero's journey session, like a hero's journey exercise with my clients Um to introduce them to the concept of the hero's journey and how they can apply this practically to their own life. So there are the, the main benefit to this, because first of all, I, I benefited greatly from this when I discovered this. Um, the main benefit, as I can tell, is that I noticed that when a client often, oftentimes when a client comes to me, they have a very challenging problem or a very um, challenging set of circumstances or something they want or something they want to overcome and 
it happens with surprising regularity that I'll talk to that person and they'll tell me about their life and the, the framing of, of their life story is one of a tragic mistake sometimes. Like they will talk about the trials, the, 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 the challenges they've faced and how it's led them to this um, unfortunate person that they, they have been forced to become. So instead of seeing the, you know, their life as a, as a triumph or a, a noble quest or whatever, they actually see their life, if we can boil it down to the, the essence and the theme of what they're saying, is often a mistake, a tragic mm. mistake without much of a purpose, without a journey, without a, um, a direction, just a directionless mess a lot of the time. So introducing the hero's journey to, as a concept to them, I've been experiencing this, this shift in my clients pretty damn regularly from doing this. It's as though they start to, uh, they stop seeing their life as a tragic mistake and start to actually see their life as a challenge, um, as one that has meaning. And uh, it helps them put the events of their life into a context that frames mm. them as the hero of their own life, as the, as the hero of their own story. Um, so in just introducing the idea and, and telling them, and uh, it's kind of a mind blow when you, when you ask them what their favorite movies are and oftentimes it'll be something such as star wars or rocky or the lord of the rings or whatever and then you just you you tell them about the different points which i'll get to in a moment of the hero's journey and how that corresponds with all of the stories that they've been watching since they were a child they never knew that the hero's journey was just being played out in multiple different ways in countless different stories and that there's something in them that really resonates with it. There's something in all of us that resonates with it. And they weren't aware of that until I stopped showing it to them. And uh, so there's, there's that. But then we take it one step further, which is the exercise I'm going to go through in this episode, where you actually apply this to your own life. So that you really can start to see that your life is not this tragic mistake. It's not this mess. Um, it's chaotic for sure. But it's not. Uh, but if you notice, if you look back on your life, you'll see that the points of the hero's journey actually apply quite powerfully to you. Hmm. Um, does that uh, does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's one of the ideas that that I've seen a lot of people talk about is that the reason this pattern shows up in all these stories is that somehow it's a reflection of something that's like deeply inside us right the, the reason this the reason so many stories seem to follow this uh the same journey is because those are the stories we're interested in those are the stories that that survive right <laughs> and so they they somehow resonate with us there's, there's somehow some truth in this in this story there's something that's important to us in this story so that makes sense yeah that that this isn't just a story in the sense of entertainment this is a story in the sense of oh, it's almost a recipe for life in in some way right precisely it's something that that comes up cross-culturally and repeatedly throughout history mm -hmm. cultures that did not communicate have never communicated have their own personal mythologies that resemble in some way 
the hero's journey. And if it was just a case of a, sh a shallow level, just we communicated this to this and then boom, rather than something deeper, then you could say that, well, well why is this story, why is it kept popping up in countless places um, across our human history, you know? So, so what I'm going to do, um, so first of all, just a couple of uh, resources about this before I forget. Um, so as Shane mentioned, the, this concept of the hero's journey was first like, really popularized in the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. Um, so if, you, if this, the contents of this episode really resonate with you and you want to take it a bit further, I haven't personally read the book, but it's apparently it's, a, it's, quite, it's quite a chunky read, but it'll, it'll go into more depth than we can do in this episode, obviously. Um, and again, if you want to, if, if the, the, the concept of mythology and story kind of really resonates with you, then there is an amazing, like truly amazing documentary series called The Power of Myth with Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyer. So Bill Moyer is a fantastic interviewer and he interviews Joseph Campbell on many different uh, common story themes and really picks his brain. And it was in the final year of Joseph Campbell's life, actually, that he did the, conducted these interviews. Um, and if you, because honestly, like in some of the darkest points of my life, um, like one of the darkest points in my life is when I discovered that documentary series. And when I started watching the first episode, I, I binge watched all 11 episodes. They're like an hour each, but it just, mm. it's, it, it's rich with meaning. And that is another, before I um, kick this off, that is another reason why I think this can be really powerful is because um, as time goes on, uh, with, as a species, especially in the West, like religion becomes less and less um, important to us. Um, and for, in my opinion, a lot of that's a, for a good reason. But also I think in some ways we can throw the baby out with the bathwater and we can lose mm. an essence of meaning in our lives that religion did provide. And I see this kind of stuff, the hero's journey and, and seeing look into myths and stories that our ancestors told, I see that as, a, as an alternative to, to like relig religious dogma. It doesn't require mm. that you like st strongly believe something um, if, you, if you're more sort of a, more of a secularist or a more scientifically minded, you can, this is compatible with that mindset. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get started. So what I'm gonna do- Yeah, I'd love, is love gonna... to hear your process here. So this is yep. some exercise that you put your clients through, yeah? Yeah, this is a, mm -hmm. a, a 12-step process that I put clients through. And um, a session usually on this usually lasts um, between 60 and 90 minutes. It's quite deep, um, but uh, we're not obviously not going to spend that long on this. I just wanted to give the, our listeners a, just a taste of this. Um, that being said, if anyone listening to this would like to actually go through this process, then what I suggest you do, because there's 12 steps to it, I suggest that if you really have the time and the inclination, you can press pause and you can answer some of the writing prompts that come up um, as you listen to this, if, if you wish. Um, so, so yeah, so we've talked a little bit about the hero's journey. And uh, so what I'm gonna do is go through the 12 steps of the hero's journey and, um, and the like accompanying exercise that comes with it. So um, the step one on the hero's journey is the uh, the ordinary life so it's as you mentioned earlier the hero of the story is in a normal everyday existence like everything's familiar everything's comfortable they feel 
Although they, they have this sense, though, often the hero has this sense of general uneasiness, like a slight uncomfortableness, like a slight dissatisfaction with what's going on. Um, and then something happens that kind of wakes them up to the fact that something really is wrong. So in this, mm. in this sense, you could say um, perhaps like Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. They're pretty damn happy, you know, but uh, kind of always uh, ha- like spoke to, Bu- spoke to Bilbo about his adventures and stuff. And Bilbo would always tell him about all these things he did. And Frodo like, t- talks about him with a sense of admiration. It's like, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and then eventually Gandalf shows up with the, a quest for Frodo. And that, um, that sort of opens up the, although that's the second step, but I'll get to that in a moment. But anyway, this, the step one is the ordinary life, so the ordinary circumstances. So the question that comes along with this, which I ask my clients is, in your life, what were the first stirrings of dissatisfaction or unease? Like what happened to wake you up to the need for change? And this usually isn't an explosive thing. It's usually just this vague sense that there's something more. Um, and with this, uh, this entire process, you can apply this to a past journey you might have been on, a past challenge that you overcame, or you can just ask, um, the questions in relation to where you are now and find out where you are along the journey. So um, in relation to that step, Shane, do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Do you have anything, uh, any times in your life where you felt that general dissatisfaction or unease? Do you feel it at the oh, moment? Yeah. Like- yeah, yeah, very, very much. And I think that's, um, I've talked about something along these lines before where I think there's great value in like getting fed up with your current situation and being very clear about what are you fed up with? What are you no longer going to put up with? Um, so yeah, this makes total sense to me. And I've had this, I've had this moment in my life several times. And uh, again, actually it also relates to, to financial freedom. Like we were talking about before, you know, for me, this, this is something I really remember vividly is at some point in my life, I wrote down and I made part, I made this part of my like daily reminder was, the, the phrase, I'm, uh, this is the year in which I'm no longer going to be poor. Because I got to the point where like, you know, I, I've never, I never lived in abject poverty. But in penny pinching kind of, you know, almost poverty, I, I, for a long time, I was just always basically <laughs> just about making enough money to get by, you know, and I was so fed up with it. And the moment I really like admitted that to myself, like admitting, first of all, my financial situation is bad. And secondly, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to figure out how to change this. That was really powerful. And for me, that was like, I think that's the kind of thing you're getting at, right? Where you you get to the point where you turn that vague, oh, is not nice, into a specific thing where you say, this is the thing I'm fed up with. This is what I'm going to start attacking now. Yeah. I mean yeah. that that uh, that that you're talking about is in the next uh, is is really is kind of the next um, the next step, mm. um, but the, the the step one there has to be that that dissatisfaction that general sense that there's something more that there's just general yeah. sense that yeah. you just you just ultimately you're not happy or not fulfilled or whatever the case is, yeah. um, and just a just a quick point uh, I forgot to mention about this entire process is that it's not um, truly essential that you can neat and tidily map your life or any situation onto each step. Da, 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 da. Mm. Um, it's not likely that it's going to follow the exact same pattern in a very clear way. And it doesn't matter that it does. Um, what matters is that you can see enough similarity to your own life 
that you can start to shift your focus and see your life as the, as a heroic journey to triumph over adversity as opposed to that tragic mistake we mentioned earlier yeah so so yeah for you, so yours i mean the the entrepreneurial path and the hero's journey man they, they, they're just they're like side by side so yeah, the, for sure. the ordinary life for you was financial dissatisfaction penny pinch yeah. not, not you weren't quite penny pinching you say but like it was it was for sure yeah, yeah financial dissatisfaction but and also just like feeling you know all kinds of stuff that came with you know i felt powerless i felt like i wasn't being creative like i just wasn't you know the, the financial thing is just kind of the clearest indicator right um but it, it's also you know i was working all these temp jobs and i felt like what am i doing with my life you know so there was also a deeper satisfaction uh underlying all that i would say mm. yeah yeah, so that's the ordinary life for me. It was it was when I lived in Derby, and I was I moved into kind of my own apartment, but uh, everything I, I just wasn't getting much satisfaction out of life. I just felt like I was doing the same thing all the time. I was still a personal trainer. I'd been a personal trainer for ages, but I was completely not happy not happy doing it. I was too scared to like actually do anything else. So it's like the dissatisfaction was there, but the the impetus to change wasn't strong enough for me to actually get my ass moving yet. Right. So um. So yeah, that was my ordinary life. So that's that one. Step two is the call. So the call is, depending on the hero, the problem could be external, such as a like a catastrophe happening in the world around them. Uh, so for you know for Frodo Baggins, that was the that was the catastrophe that was occurring in Middle Earth, and the call for say Luke Skywalker in Star Wars was that there was um, you know he was called to to essentially take on a greater responsibility in his life and leave his homeland and become a jedi and and participate in the greater um sort of the greater play of of events happening in the broader world rather than just his little village or planet or whatever um and in this in the case of uh, rocky which is one of my favorite heroes journeys the call would be for him him getting a chance to fight apollo creed the heavyweight champion of the world at the time um so so yeah, I mean that's the, something that some catastrophe maybe happening in the in the world around them. But for others, the problem is internal, such as becoming aware of like a deep dissatisfaction with some aspect of their life. And um, and after being exposed to the the information, after be, after reaching a new level of insight, the hero feels called to then do something about it. So the hero is challenged to take action and step into that unknown. So for you, that what you just described was this part this time in your life where you drew you drew a line in the sand and you said all right i'm done i'm done with this yeah <laughs> like i don't care what it takes but i'm not going to be i'm not going to be poor anymore i'm done yeah, yeah and and just to be clear like i've also had this same experience in other areas of life as well you know there was for example there was a time where i was like okay um i have basically no control over my social life you know i'd always been a loner and i was like I want to learn how to, uh, I want to learn how to make friends. I want to learn how to talk to people. I want to learn how to basically insert myself in a social circle or build a social circle around myself. I want to learn how to get dates and, and, you know, like not, not be in a situation where you kind of have to wait for hopefully a potential girlfriend to like fall into my lap, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so, and that's just another example where it's also like it starts with this dissatisfaction and at some point you're like, okay, I'm actually going to do something about this now. Um, I'm not just going to sit here and hope for better times anymore, you know? Yeah. 
exactly it's that time when you you finally um for a lot of people it's a case of i mean in the process of sort of maturation as well it's it's a process where you you finally stop looking to other people to tell you how to live and, and mm. you stop looking to other people to, to first of all you stop looking for other people to blame about how your life is mm. and you start taking a form of real responsibility for what's happening in your life for a lot of people that's that's what the call is and oftentimes it can come from a um a catastrophic event occurs outside of them for me breakups have been a tremendous call to adventure when i've been in a relationship that ends up being very um safe feeling and quite day-to-day quite humdrum quite yeah i think safe is the word i could use the main word i could use to describe it and then uh one of my one of my breakups it was like out of the blue it's like it felt very safe but then boom there was a call and um, so quite traumatic at the time but very um very very powerful mm, i think that's a relatable example i think that's often that's kind of a, a turning point for people where it's like oh my god things have gone wrong somehow and and it's very painful but it's somehow also an opportunity to turn things around mm, yeah this one of the things i feel uh, deeply honored by uh, is to be part of a, a few men's groups where i see guys who are going through a divorce um guys who are in the 40s or 50s going through a divorce and it's mm. extremely emotionally challenging for them and I'm watching them go through this, this hero's journey process where they're, they're like, they're really struggling. But at the same time, some of these men are now really taking stock of what they want in life. They may have never asked the question. They might have just done what they've told the entire time. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they've started to ask themselves, what do I, you know, I've not been, I've not been to the gym my whole life. Why, why have I never been to a gym? And they start going to the gym. They start asking themselves what kind of partner they want now. So there's a lot of pain involved in this. But there's also real opportunities. It's amazing to just see some of these guys, even through a real challenging divorce, they're becoming better. <laughs> it's amazing to watch. But there is initially that call. Um, so the question I ask my clients is, in your life, um, we can go present tense or past tense. So in your life, what are you feeling called to do? So remember, this could be a calling that already happened. If, we want, if we're wanting to put a, 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 um, a challenging experience in, from the past into its context, we can then say what happened or uh, most of my clients like to apply it to now because it helps them get what they want so it's like what's happening now so this could be advancing your career pursuing some sort of passion improving your health changing a relationship starting a business putting some sort of cause and something to that degree but there's some call that there's something there in, in every client i've spoke to about this there's something i had one client i saw the other day mentioned he wants to start a tech blog he's just been put he's been putting it off for like six seven years because he just thinks that he'll never be able to do it and it's like well that's your call it's there it's not going anywhere otherwise it would have gone by now <laughs> yeah so yeah. so yeah that's the question i ask so um yeah i mean m- moving on uh, to the to the next one because there's 12 there's 12 of these steps um so step three would be refusal of the call so refusal of the call because um, often at first the, the hero fails to answer the call. This is this is quite a popular motif. They, they, they get the call, and the the, uh, the hero fails to answer, or or mm-hmm. decides not to, or procrastinates, or distracts himself, or just gets involved with some some other pursuit that's not really his his deepest 
call. Yeah, they, uh, basically, they don't want to leave their comfort zone, right? It's like the 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 call arrives and they're like, ah, I'd rather not, or something like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, it's amazing how it's not really shown as like a, a, a definite no. It's more like a, eh, I'll do it later. I'm just <laughs> That's how it shows up because um, they're often afraid of what it will take like they don't think they can do it they think it'll be too hard they feel insecure or they feel inadequate their their life of uh, comfort calls them to resist this new adventure like extreme comfort um so they hesitate but then they become gradually increasingly aware that there are real consequences if they don't take action and uh, that something truly meaningful will be lost if they don't take action now um so the question I ask then, um, in your life, what fears or resistance did you experience after becoming aware of the problem that um, was or is right now calling you to action? So uh, again, uh, what additional situations or information were you presented with that further helped you see what was at stake? And what were or what are you going to lose as a result of refusing the call? So um, how can you relate in any way to that question, Shane? Yeah, I think that's it's a good line of questioning because um, it is it is a comfort zone thing. I think, right? It's 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 often we sit with these problems for too long because we fear taking the steps because we fear that yeah it's kind of too uncomfortable to uh to go out and, and start doing something about it um and i think that's one of the things that can help is really confronting yourself with well what are the consequences of me not doing this um, because if you actually look at it in the longer term it's like yes right now it's going to be uncomfortable if i have to start working on myself or do something else that's scary but i don't want to be the person who you know, five years from now looks back and thinks, I wish I had done something. So, mm. yeah, I think that can be a good, uh, a good way to get ourselves into um, a more big picture perspective from which we can make a better decision than, than, yeah, if you're too, it's almost like in this case, if you're too in the moment, you just feel the discomfort. And, and then the, the easiest answer to that is always no. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the um, it, it's becoming conscious of the consequences of inaction, really, and yeah. and how what consequences extreme comfort at all costs have. Um, so yeah. that's uh, so that's the next step of the journey. The next uh, step, step four, is the guide. So in most stories, the hero meets a guide, some f- sort of mentor or, or helper that provides. Um, pretty vital advice and points them in the right direction. Um, and the ti- and in, in, in the myths, the timing of the appearance of the guide varies. And, and so if, if the hero like refuses the call, often a, a helper of some type appears to sort of nudge them into answering the call. So there's like some sort of, some nudge, some intervention from outside. Um, so sometimes the guide continues to return to the hero to help them move along the journey, but the guide never, this is important the guide never actually saves the hero or does anything for them doesn't do anything for them yeah that they can't do themselves and that's really key that's essential that the guide does not do that um, the hero doesn't need to be saved um, but at the same time the hero never does it all alone so it's like a balance to strike yeah so interestingly if someone comes and 
basically tells the hero, I'm going to save you. I'm going to do it all for you. That's usually the villain. Interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a, yeah, because the, that person shows up, but there's no, it's not as if there's not a price to pay for that. Exactly. Yeah. There's a yeah, form of manipulation yeah. involved. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a really important point, right? Is that um, the, because it is a story of growth. And if someone just comes in and does it for you, you're not going to grow, right? It's as simple as that. Um, and also on the, on the note of the guide or the mentor, that's something where for me, I have like two things to say to this. The first is that for me, I've had, you know, countless guides because my source of this kind of external wisdom and encouragement and direction and so on has been books. And I've just read like hundreds of books and gotten immense value out of them. But at the same time, and that's something I, you know, I encourage everyone to do um, incredibly, uh, incredibly, positive ROI thing to do with your time, you know, <laughs> is to read books, read good books. But I also have to say that I have this terrible habit of, of always wanting to do everything by myself. And I think that this is one of the things that I'm, I haven't been very good at and I want to get better at still in my life is actually finding like mentors, you know, in real life rather than just in pages of books and getting like and accepting more help and guidance from other people. I think that's it's incredibly valuable. And it's something that it took me a long time to realize that I'm, I'm missing out by, um, yeah, by not seeking that out. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because the, uh, the exercise, the, the question is to, to, you know, who have been your guides. Um, so you can list all the people who've influenced you, such as uh, family members, um, or people you might have met in school, or like if some people, like in an extremely rare occasion, had a teacher that actually <laughs> that actually provides a sense of guidance or some sort of role model or something, you do that. But also, authors of books are, are definitely a source of that. Like, uh, for instance, Alan Watts has been one of my greatest guides. Um, Eckhart Tolle to a lesser extent Sam Harris has been a, a real strong guide of mine and it's just like mm -hmm. and Jordan Peterson I know you're not a huge, huge fan but um, but uh, Jordan Peterson has been a, has been a strong uh, sort of guide for me so it's like it's not people you necessarily have to know specifically uh, individually but it can be yeah. any kind of influence and there's so much exposure to that now that it's almost unavoidable that you're going to find some guide somewhere if you you know, yeah. if you're reading a lot or whatever. We've talked in a previous episode, I'm not sure which one, but we talked about the value of long form content. And I think that's that's one of the things that's really an amazing opportunity now where you can find or you can get exposure to people who are role models and get like deep exposure to them because you can maybe hear them talk on a podcast for three hours or you can, uh, yeah, maybe they have a YouTube channel and they've got like hours and hours and hours of content where you can really you know, get a level of exposure that, um, that wasn't available before. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's, that's a great opportunity to, to take advantage of, but also I just, I really want to emphasize like, while there's amazing, um, benefit to get out of this, out of books, podcasts, etc. It, there is it is another level to have someone who who basically can look at you personally your situation personally and give you advice and guidance directly i mean <laughs> that is like 
it's basically like leverage, right? It's like the same kind of effect times a thousand, you know? So that's really something I, like I said, this is kind of one of the mistakes that I've made in for most of my life. I've made this mistake that I haven't sought that out and I haven't taken advantage of that kind of thing. Um, so I really, really want to emphasize, you know, any chance you get to, to find it good. And I'm talking about really good, like have extremely high standards for this. Uh, but any chance you have to work with a with a really good guide in person is going to be very, very worthwhile. And I also mentioned the high standards because, of course, this is something that is exploited a lot, right? There's loads of gurus who come along and will tell you that they're going to be your Yoda, that they're going to be your guide. Um, but actually, they just want your money, right? So you have to be, you have to be careful of that. 100%. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because the role of mentorship and, and guidance is extremely beneficial. Mm. Um, I'm sure you experienced some form of that in martial arts training, though, Shane, no? Well, <laughs> that's uh, very limited, basically very limited, because I was basically at odds with my teachers more, more than anything else there, right? Um, and, yeah, I feel like in my martial arts journey, I learned more of what not to do and who I don't want to be. And I learned how to spot gurus and things like that. You know, I learned a lot, but I didn't. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't have this kind of thing where it's like, yes, this is my role model. or This is my guide. It, it was, it was more complicated than that. <laughs> Got you. So you learned more about what not to do and what not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so moving on. So that was the guide. So step five is the threshold. And this is, the, this is the pivotal moment when the hero officially leaves the ordinary world and steps into the journey in a way that they can't turn back. So this is a decision point. This is when the hero actually begins the quest and starts, starts um, making it happen. And in Lord of the Rings, there's just such an amazing moment where Samwise Gamgee and Frodo reach the edge of this field. And then Sam, literally, the, 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 the directors, the producers, the writers know exactly what they're doing here. Uh, if I take another step, it will be the furthest away from home I've ever been. That is Samwise Gamgee as his own hero's journey. That is Samwise Gamgee's threshold moment, or both of their threshold moments. It's like it's the furthest part away they've ever been from home. And if they continue going, there literally is no turning back. Um, this is the threshold. So in your life, in, in our lives, the question that come, would, would suffice here is what decision point have you ever experienced like, are you, are, you, are you even there now? Like, what is the threshold, this sort of pivotal moment? Um, if people struggle with this question, you can sort of imagine that you stepped from your old life into your new life. Like, what would be the actual step you'd take? The jumping off point that would actually signify the start of this, this quest. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and I recommend that. I recommend that people create this for themselves in a non-reckless way. So... And what I mean by that is I sometimes see people take reckless decisions as a kind of an attempt of crossing the threshold. And um, again, you know, from, I've seen this mostly working with entrepreneurs for many years, you know, where someone will go, I've quit my job so that I can fully dedicate myself to my startup. It's like, well, maybe that was just a really dumb decision because, you know, you've, especially if like, well, what is your startup? Well, I have this idea. Oh my God, man, you have an idea and you quit your job for it. 
that's that's just a bad decision. Like, of course, you can say, well, you know, this is the point of no return. I've handed in my notice. I've quit my job. But like, that's not that's not a good way to do it. That's <laughs> not a good way to do it because you're just if you think of it strategically, right? The the risk profile of what you've just done is like the 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 likelihood of failure here is much too great unless you have a lot of money saved up and you can you know keep going without a job for a relatively long time so you can actually do all the learning you need to do to translate an idea into a successful business but just like throwing yourself into it like that you know it's a terrible idea in most cases so that would be a bad example of creating that crossing the threshold moment for yourself uh, and you but you can it's also good to do something to do something where you can say, well, I can't return from this. And I can give you two examples of, of my life. And I've also done this many, you know, many times in many contexts, but two examples of like very non-reckless ways to do this. One was at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, I sold my gaming console and all of my video games. And that was this kind of moment where I'm like, I'm committing to this and I can't be playing video games three hours a day and build a business, right? It's like, I have to choose here. Um, so, and making that choice. But as you can see from this example, I'm not putting myself at risk, right? I'm not putting myself in a situation where um, I'm now in, in danger of like losing everything, right? And yet it is still a very clear like statement to myself and to the world that this is the moment from which on I will be different and I'll be having different priorities. And another example was a few years later when I moved to Romania and I moved, so I moved to a new country, new place. And I did that as a way to also lower my living expenses so that I would be able to, uh, you know, so that I wouldn't just be, be spending so much money just on existing, which would give me more money to invest in my own business. And so, and that was another one of those moments, right? Where I'm, this is a big step, the big step moving into a new country, but I'm not taking any kind of reckless risk in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, I mean, just not, not taking an unnatural, an unnaturally reckless risk or trying to intentionally create a threshold point will backfire if you're not there in your journey yet. <laughs> if you're like, I'm going to mm. create a threshold, I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to, it's like, no, 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 you're not, you're not there. Especially if you've not met any guides or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But any, but uh, it it could be easily be an internal decision, you know. And you gave a great example of that. You, the selling of the gaming console was a symbolic gesture of your commitment. And yeah, you're right. It didn't. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose everything, and you're going to. It's all going to go tits up, and like three mm -hmm. years later, you're still recovering from a decision you made. Exactly. And again, like, even though I know that, you know, this might be, I might be boring people with my constant, like this way of thinking, but if, if you think about it strategically, right, if you think about what is the upside, what's the potential upside, the potential downside of a decision, uh, it's kind of the simplest approach right? to think of risk reward of a decision. And, and you want to make decisions that have a good risk reward profile. And if you think about something like selling your gaming consoles, like, well, what's, what's the potential risk? It's basically non-existent, right? There's no risk. Like, how can this go? I can be slightly bored, right? And, and what's the potential reward is, well, actually it does free up this time. It takes away some distraction and so on. So this is, 
an almost perfect risk reward profile for, for what I was trying to do. Whereas if you think I'm just going to quit my job and hope that I can make it with my business, well, what's the risk? The risk is dramatic, right? You could run out of money, be in real trouble. Uh, maybe, and what if you can't find a job in time? You know, you get kicked out of your apartment if you're renting stuff that, you're, you know, there can be a snowball of problems here. What's the upside? Okay, it frees up some time. It puts some pressure on you. But even the pressure, is that actually is that actually good for you or is it just going to make you more stressed out? So that's a terrible risk reward profile, right? So that's just in a very practical sense how I would think about this kind of decision. Yeah, and, and I agree. I agree. So once you've made, once you've crossed the threshold, you then have the, you have the journey. Step six would be the road of trials. So the entire purpose of a quest, right? The entire purpose of your quest is, is that the hero learns grows and becomes a hero actually becomes different so like rather than just implementing a few different hacks or, or strategies and getting the result unearned this is not the hero's journey this is you this is another form of you avoiding your real journey this is another form of you avoiding your call um, in a very creative way you know and i think i think a lot of people do that so it's, like, it's like oh tell me what to do then I can just do it and have the money and have the thing, but not have to change. It's like, nope, sorry, doesn't work. Yeah. And oh, that's actually, you know, such a good example of this. Such a good example of this is that if you, um, if you, you know, everybody knows this now, I think it's very popular knowledge, right? The idea that you, lottery winners on average, what, how long does it take them? Like 18 months or something to be back to exactly where they started financially, right? Which is exactly yeah. the thing. It's like, instead of going on the hero's journey and learning the skills and doing the things and then, and now you're rich. It's like, no, here's just a pile of money. But because you're still the same person and you manage to avoid that journey, you, d you have no way to handle this money well and then you waste it and lose it and you get scammed out of it and so on and so forth. And before you know it, you're back at square one. It's like, that's a perfect example of, this, the thing you just explained in real life, this really happens, right? This is not a theoretical idea. This really happens to people. Yeah, exactly. It, it really, it really does. And you'll notice that if you look at your own life, you've been through this, you've been, you've been through, you've been on the road of trials before. Um, so inevitably along this, this, this path, there are obstacles to overcome. There's challenges, there's tests of your strength of will and your strength of character. And these tests are very real and they're very uncomfortable. And that's by, that's the nature of it. So um, it might even be in the form of some psychological slash emotional challenge. Like you have to come out, overcome anxiety or you have a phase of depression and despair. And that's an internal challenge. And you have to, and you, you have overcome that. That's one of your trials on the road. Um, and along the way though, the, the hero occasionally meets allies who will help them. Because at no point along this journey is the hero completely, totally, and 100% alone. There's, uh, there's allies. Um, and it's this sort of action and adventure part of the story. You know, like if, you, if you're watching a movie, it's the bit that keeps people engaged. It's where all the action's taking place. Uh, in, in Rocky, it, this is the fight with Apollo Creed. He's getting punched. He's punching back. He's getting beaten up. He's going to his corner and his corner man mix telling him, you know, got another body and stuff like that. It's the, it's the fun part of the story. It's where the, 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 the hero has prepared everything. It's where he is really being tested and it's the test in motion. Um, so to my clients, I'd say in your life, what obstacles or challenges have you faced or are you currently facing? 
Um, how is your strength of commitment and will been tested? And what are the, um, and it's because through the test, through the road of trials, you're essentially adjusting to a new world. You're adjusting to a new circumstance you're creating for yourself. You're becoming a different person, essentially. And the, the, the transformation of old to new is not a, a smooth ride. Um, there's, there's, there's like parts of you that are dying that don't want to die. And there's other parts of you that are breaking through the shell in a painful, dramatic way and being rebirthed and that process is it can the, the process itself can be slightly traumatic so uh, some of the trials will, will stay with you for probably for your whole life mm-hmm. um and but but there's still there's there's also victories there's also very real victories um and there's also very real failures and you have allies mm-hmm. and you have enemies it's the it's the character it's, it's the, the the juicy part of the story um yeah and i think i think the the key point really is that is recognizing and acknowledging that is that this is how growth happens uh it it happens through the right kind of struggle the right kind of adversity um it's also important to to not um make a false equivalence here and just think that suffering is always growth right Mm. and then just like suffering for the point of it no it's realizing that that growth always goes along with this like with this struggle so you will be struggling in some form you will be and whether that's yeah struggling with frustrating creative problems or or um struggling in a much more like physical sense whatever you know again like a gym analogy you know you if you want to grow your muscles you have to suffer through weightlifting now it's not like torturous suffering but it's you have to like do that pushing and overcoming and discomfort without it it doesn't work but also you can't just do things that are generally painful and then think that's going to get you in shape right it has to be the right kind of adversity that's where growth comes from yeah well said so step seven once we've uh, we're on the road of trials now we're uh, we're having a scrap we're uh, you know we're having a having a fight step seven is when we it's called the approach of the innermost cave. So this is a turning point. This is when the, the hero, because there's depths to the, to the process of transformation too. It's not just have a bit of a fight and then you change. It's like there's, there's depths. Uh, you, you, the journey to the underworld, there's loads, of, there's loads of layers to it. So this is when the hero finally goes all in. So they reach the point when they were 100% certain of what must be done. Um, they're ready to accept the risks and the possibility of, of failure. Um, this is like a second decision point and it, and, it, and it happens when the hero approaches this innermost cave so it's like another threshold uh, it can be something literal in the story it could be like having to literally enter a cave to face a demon like in Lord of the Rings Samwise has to enter a literal cave to confront Shelob the queen of spiders to save Frodo uh, so in his case it, you literally confront uh, he literally goes into a cave um, so you know, that's that's like a literal example of that. But it can also be something symbolic, such as entering into a hero's darkest places, like an inner conflict or a demon they have to face. Um, like some sort of fear, some phobia, or whatever, whatever the case is. But the hero prepares to face this, the one big thing that they've been putting off. This, this second sort of commitment is this one big thing, this thing that they've been avoiding. Um, and the hero oftentimes rests to, to reflect on the journey and then summons this, this, this something within him, like the final, 
a kind of courage to face this this road that awaits. Um, and then the tension sort of escalates in anticipation of this um, this sort of ultimate test. Um, and for, for me, it's a uh, yeah, it's I'm aware of what this is for me. The approach of the innermost cave is essentially like I've been kind of afraid. I've had I've had anxiety in some form all my life, and um, there's something around loss of control and uncertainty. Um, mm. And there's something that can often turn existential. So for me, the innermost cave, I kind of confronted that in March. <laughs> it's like the, the general uncertainty of existence and impermanence as well. It's like nothing stays the same and everything. And these are things, and, and also, also death, like confronting the, the, your own mortality for most people could be um, easily be the approach of this innermost cave to actually come into terms with one's own mortality and finitude and the fact that one day they are going to die. For a lot of people, that that would be an innermost cave, but it's it's unique to you. Is is the point? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is it's yeah, it's like the the moment when you are. Um, it's almost like life is going. Do you really want this? <laughs> Where you're like really tested, uh, and and you know it, it is funny. Like again, if I think about my entrepreneurial journey. We, we really did have this moment of like the, you know, the night is darkest before the dawn. It's like it was, we had some absolutely horrible times uh, before and, and kind of during our biggest breakthroughs, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that seems to track pretty well. Yeah. So my clients had say, what is the innermost cave for you? What's the one big challenge and what's that decision that uh, you must make? Yeah. If, um, and, and also, this, if you find yourself at this point, it's a, it's a perfect time to restart and reflect on your journey yeah. um, and, and take stock of the courage that it's take, taken to come this far and that mm. your life essentially in many ways has been preparing you for this moment. And if you look back, you can see how at so many points along your journey, you've been pre- getting prepared for this. And there's some, yeah. there's some points where it's totally the case. Like before my, uh, you know, and I'll mention this every second sentence, but uh, competing in MMA, there was this very much this feeling before it that um, it seems like it's all come to this. It's yeah, all yeah. come to this. Even when I can imagine having fights in primary school against bullies and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and I just thought, damn, like, this is this is it. This is the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would also say, like, look, for this you know, don't force it because, you know, and I'm addressing the listeners now, like, you know, if you're listening to this thinking, okay, well, what's my, what's this in my life? It's like, you're probably not there. Okay. This is a very specific point in the journey. You're probably not there right now. <laughs> Chances mm-hmm. are you're not, you know, because it's a long journey and you're only there at a specific point in time. So simply because of that, you know, so if I think about like my current, my current hero's journey, I'm not at that point in that journey. I'm before that point in that journey. So I couldn't answer this question right now. I don't know what it is yet. I'm still in the on step six, I guess, in, in what we've talked about so far. That's great. That's great that you can, that, that you can recognize that as well. Because it's true. I mean, for, uh, one thing I'd say is that most people um, are between sort of step one, ordinary life, um, and refusal of the call. Because it's yeah. easy to go in that cycle for God knows how long and live a life of general sort of just tolerable dissatisfaction. <laughs> yeah. 
until eventually something slaps you out of it. Um, but yeah, it's important to mention is that, yeah, you don't, uh, don't force any of these. Like, where's the ordeal? Where's the deepest thing? <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's find that and then, and then confront it. You may not be there. Um, so that's the approach of the innermost cave. We're on the way back out of the abyss now. Um, but step eight is the ordeal. So this is the ultimate test. Uh, so in movies, this is uh, in movies, this would be the climax. This is like the peak yeah. of the action. This is where the hero must face the greatest fear or the most terrifying foe. Um, superhero movies always have this. There's always some villain and the confrontation between the hero and the villain. So it's when uh, the Avengers are fighting Thanos, for example, most terrifying mm -hmm. existential threat. Um, so one way or the other, the hero is kind of pushed to his, his point. Like, it, this is where he must face death, whether literal or figurative. Um, the hero sort of uses the skills and experiences um, they picked up along the journey um, and, use, and brings them to bear in this sort of this final challenge. And it's the hero's sort of moment of truth. And I love that phrase that everyone has a moment of truth at some at certain points in their life. When everything's on the line and the hero moves forward, knowing that nothing will ever be the same again. They, like they literally can't go back. They can't go back to the ordinary world anymore. Mm. And it must be done. And yeah. So the question I'd ask is in your life, what is the death you will face? Like the fear, the situation, or what's the terrifying foe? And what skills and experiences have you picked up along the way that will serve you in this final confrontation? And what exactly must you do? Like, can you see that your entire life has been leading up to this moment? Um, mm. I know I'm not there <laughs> yet. Mm. Um, but but yeah. yeah, same thing. And I think, I think it's also like, this is usually... Um... I mean, it basically follows on from step seven, right? It's it's then just the, it then that's kind of the actual, um, it's the actual battle, right? Yeah, um, the decision has been made, and now, yeah, you're in it. So, and exactly. like yeah, I think like we said before, it's like you you'll know it when you get there, basically. Exactly, and uh, the final few steps. So we have step nine, which is the transformation and reward. So this is where the hero has defeated the enemy survived and overcame the problem but more than anything this hero is transformed now so like a like a butterfly from a chrysalis it's like out of the ashes like um the phoenix kind of thing this is quite a popular uh, motif is a symbol of rebirth so the hero re receives also some reward in some form whether it's like recognition power wisdom some sort of like treasure um, but in the end no matter the price the true reward is always the personal transformation itself like the real change is internal so um, the exercise will be in your life. What will this transformation look like? How will you feel? What will be different? How will you be different? And what reward will you enjoy? And what and why will it all have been worth it? Mm. Um, I, I see, yeah, I see uh, like what are the kind of person that you have to become in order to, you know, to have the reward yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. And I think the reward in the story, you know, the treasure that they find or whatever, is basically always symbolic, right? The reward is symbolic for, for it's almost a placeholder for the growth, right? Mm. So that's what really matters. Um, so yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, I, I would, at least that's how I would interpret it, right? That the, the treasure chest that the hero takes home is really just symbolic for the yeah. inner gift in a way. Definitely. And, and on that note, there's something that just came up. Uh, you've, have you ever played the game Dark Souls? No, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone, anyone listening hasn't heard of the game Dark Souls, there's a, a, a series of games, Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, 
and it is known as it, the most difficult game in modern in in, in modern history really mm-hmm. <laughs> the most difficult game you can play and it don't it, it in terms of the hero's journey the, the game symbolizes this perfectly uh, so it's an rpg game you uh you, you plunged into this terrifying new world this 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 extremely hostile environment where everything's trying to kill you everything's hopeless and you're just this when you start the game you're just this feeble meek person that's just getting killed by like zombies and stuff and you die so frequently that if you're used to playing modern games you'll just be assaulted by how often you die it's like it's mind-blowing you you often think that the game's broken um, until you go online and everyone's saying the exact same thing now the reason why i think this is one of the greatest games ever made is because you go on a literal character transformation from finishing the game. I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. One guy, um, one guy talked about on YouTube how he overcame his depression from playing Dark Souls 1, 2, 3. It was a literal transformation because there's so many times where you're facing a boss battle and before you start facing this boss, like, there could be a boss that's just a giant, literal giant, and you've got to somehow find a way to beat it. And you're despairing because you're like, I'm not playing this game because that's ridiculous. How am I supposed to do that? Or you've been beaten like 20, 30 times by the same boss. And you have to somehow summon up the will and the courage to even go, you know what, let's do it. Let's go again. And you literally, tra- you transform. You become better at the game and everything. You go on a character transformation. So that, that game is a, a fantastic yeah. example of that. And I think this is, this is a good, it's a good thing to be aware of because I think there's, you know, with video games, there is this, there's essentially the comfort trap problem where a lot of video games are structured in such a way that it's actually exactly what we talked about, where it is done for you rather than you doing it. So, you know, instead of, it's like, yes, you play a hero in this game, but what happens is that, you know, you whatever, you click on the monsters and the monsters die. And then your hero, like the game makes your hero progressively stronger you're not getting better. You're still just clicking on the monsters, right? It's just that now every click does more damage than, than before. And so the game is kind of making your character stronger over time. So your character is developing, is going through the hero's journey, but you aren't. You, you start the game clicking monsters, you end the game clicking monsters, it's the same thing, right? And then the, the game throws all these superficial rewards at you. You know, here's the points and the gold and the diamonds and whatnot, you know, gives you all these... Uh, signifiers of reward to keep you hooked and what a game like dark souls does or what a game like a a skill-based game does is that yes you maybe also level up your character but the meaningful thing that happens is you have to get better you have to get better at playing this game you have to actually improve your reflexes you have to actually master the controls and so on and that's and as such it is you the player who goes through the hero's journey rather than just watching someone else do it. Uh, and it's interesting to me that the, the gaming industry went from that being the norm, games super hard, <laughs> to, to more and more of these handholdy games where everything is done for you. And then the rediscovery of actually it's more fun if I have to struggle through the challenges myself, you know? Exactly. Well, well said. That's exactly it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this superficial thing where it just made your character better, level up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So um, step ten is the road back. Uh, so this is where the hero, because the hero can't relax and enjoy the thrill of victory for very long. 
So the hero feels uh, another call to return home and share the, the spoils, share the reward um, with those that they care about. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is, so like in, in your life, I'd, I'd ask a client, what does your returning home represent? So like, how are you going to use what you've learned or accomplished and who else will benefit from it? So it's not just the case of you earning loads of money mm. and then, you know, buying a yacht. Because we, we, we obviously know that that doesn't make people fucking happy for very long. Mm. So it's like, how does everyone else, as members of the human species, whether it's your family or whatever, how does, any, how does other people, how do other people benefit from this, from your journey? And I think you're, I think you're a good representation of that, Shane, because uh, obviously you started off doing like Thrive Themes and stuff and it was you and Paul working your balls off. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a team of God knows how many people. And it's like, that is your journey. You go, you trip to the underworld and all the, the shit that you went through. And now you have a team of people who you support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. And I think also in a, in a more general sense, I think it's like, if you don't have that, if you don't have a goal that goes beyond yourself, I think for most people, it just doesn't work very well, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if you just, even if you, again, if you stay with that example, if you think I want to start a business, but all I care about it, I just want money. I just want as much money as possible. That's all I care about. And so I'm going to take advantage of my customers as much as possible. I'm going to take advantage of anyone who works for me as much as possible. I think for most people, it's pretty unsustainable. And it's also generally not a recipe for success. Whereas if you have this where you go, yes, I want a successful business. I want money, but I also want to make sure that I bring real value to my customers. I also want to make sure that people who work for me enjoy working and, and have a, you know, basically I want to make sure it's a good experience for them too, right? This kind of element of it is not only for me, it is for me and for others. I don't know why, but to me, that just makes it much more sustainable. Like I would have never, ever worked as hard as I did if it was just about me. Hmm. So you're saying that all along, there was always a, there was always a goal in mind of it, but this yeah. benefiting people. It was always a driving factor. Yeah. Probably instrumental in your success then to some degree. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I don't think I could do this if it was just for me. Yeah. Hmm. So final two steps, step 11, rebirth. So this is the moment where the hero crosses the final threshold. <laughs> so the hero has gone on a fucking journey right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a final test. So this is the final test of the hero's true growth. So the hero is tested for the final time. It's their moment to sort of demonstrate their mastery and, the, and, and then step into their power finally. So this battle pushes the hero to defeat their limitations and release, finally release their old self, like once and for all. This might be some temptation, some addiction, some, some, something, some final sort of temptation or confrontation. Mm. Um, and it's, it's usually when you think you're over and done with it, when something pops up to, to, as, a, as the final sort of jab, mm. uh, as the final test or temptation. Um, so I'd ask it in your life, after transforming, defeating your foes or reaching your goals, what final battle may you need to face? And I, and I ask this to clients because they've not yet reached this point or they may have done in the past, so they might be able to relate to it. Um, it might be the case, like there's one example, it might be the case that someone quits alcohol and then they think they're over it and then they get a final a stressful circumstance in their life come up and then pow, they've got this addictive craving that hits them like a ton of bricks. Right. And it's like the final temptation. Um, and then do they crumble and cave to it or do they um, finally do something finally say no to it mm-hmm. um, 
I mean, they might they might have those cravings again. Addiction is kind of like that, but this is like a symbolic thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the the rebirth step at twelve, which is the final step. Return with the elixir. This is when the hero returns to his ordinary world, a changed person. They'll have something to share with those back home. Uh, so this could be a solution to a problem, a new perspective, a resource, some sort of resolution with the you know with with the family members or with the people from back home. Uh, and sometimes the hero faces doubters or even punished for his journey that he's been on. Um, but in the end, the hero always shares what they've learned or acquired that, um, or, you know, what they've, what they've learned or acquired with, with those that they did it all for. Um, and that is, after all, what makes them a hero in the eyes of others. So the question I then ask is, in your life, what is the elixir you're looking to bring back from your journey? Um, who are you going to share it with? How are you going to pay forward what you've learned? And for me in my life, um, the elixir I'm bringing back is... Um, the growth I've experienced from leaving home, like I've left and come to Lisbon, gone on a real big journey to hopefully do something different than um, what a lot of my family members before me, like my grandparents and whatever did, they basically stayed local and stuff. And also a kind of inner healing because me and my family have gone through quite a bit of traumatic stuff and I've, I hope to be able to sort of heal that. And also I wanna benefit my own children one day is that like I hopefully have dealt with enough baggage that I won't project it onto them. So it's like the return with my elixir is kind of going to benefit my current family members and even those that haven't been born yet. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So one thing with all this is that something that I came across um, in some books, sometimes I can't remember the source of this anymore, but... I do think that even just the like framing what you're experiencing as this hero's journey can be really helpful. And I think I, I kind of stumbled on this in two ways. And one of them was, like I said, this from an unknown source, this phrase, enjoy the spaghetti years, <laughs> where the idea was that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to go through a period where you, you're just eating spaghetti because that's the only thing you can afford <laughs> and you don't have time to prepare anything else. Right? So it's just like cooking spaghetti at home. But the idea that, hey, enjoy the spaghetti years, right? There's also something charming about that. Um, and that was, I'm really glad I came across that because to realize that, hey, you know, there's something, um, yeah, if I think about, you know, when I, I was living in Romania, you know, sharing a small flat with, with my business partner, and, and, you know, and because it was a small flat, like basically he set up his computer in the kitchen and worked from there. I set up my computer like in a closet, literally in a closet and worked from there. So it's clearly like this is not the glamorous life, right? And of course, in, in every objective measure, you know, we were doing much, much better now than, than then. But there's something really unique and special and charming about those times, you know. So it's like enjoy it while, while you're there. Um, and, and the other thing is also like, I think the way I stumbled into this whole idea before I even knew about the hero's journey was that as I think many people do, when we get interested in personal development, I started trying to find out, well, how, what have other successful people done? How have other pe people succeeded and um, what can I learn from them? And in reading about other successful people and, and hearing their stories and so on, I realized that this is a pattern, right? Basically every every person who has achieved anything worthwhile will tell you a story about all the trials 
and failures along the way. And it helped me frame my own experience as I'm in that part of the story, you know? And it's very different to, to experience struggles and failure and think, oh my God, I'm the worst, I'm terrible, I'm destined to fail, or experience struggles and failure and think, oh, I'm in that part of the story that every successful people, every successful person tells. I'm in that part of the story after which comes the success and the breakthrough. And that really, really helped me. Yeah. I've heard you talk about that before when you and uh, you and Paul were roughing it. And yeah. when you talk about it, you can't help but smile. I've noticed <laughs> because it's this reminiscing like, oh, my God. Yeah. Me and Paul. Yeah, cool. <laughs> me, yeah. Me and Paul were there. <laughs> but I bet at the time it was like, holy shit, is this going to work? Are we really going to do this? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, it's just, there's downsides to it. But it is one of those things. And I think many worthwhile adventures, even like. Uh, I also like to use just hiking as an example. You go for a hike, like that's going to be unpleasant for part of the period. You know, it's like you're, you're walking up this hill, your, your legs are on fire and you're out of breath, you know, it's like, but you, it's not, that's not a reason not to go on a hike. It's just like, you're in that part of the story. You're in that part of the journey, right? It's all good. Basically. Precisely. Yeah. So that is uh, so that's the 12 steps along the hero's journey. And uh, that kind of comprehensively covers it. So I take this through, I take this, I take clients through this, and they um, if they don't finish in a session, they do it as homework and map out the whole life according to mm. the hero's journey or the, the place they're at in their life right now. But um, it's mainly through this, it's the it's the the principles and the takeaways they get from this, which is about well, for one, it's not about avoiding problems and it's not about the reward itself. Um, mm. And it's not about avoiding struggle and discomfort. It's never about that. The hero can't do that. It's, it's fundamental to the journey. Mm. Um, and I think that is the thing that changes people's minds the most. Is yeah. where, Whereas before they just had suffering with no context or meaning. But when you can see that this is part of a greater journey of yours and temporary because like every part of the story is temporary mm -hmm. you're not just at, at, at the call part of the journey your entire life and then you die that's, that's, that's impossible yeah um, and that's it and it's it's about how you can use your life experience to make a greater impact so i say to my clients just just find out where you are along the journey and then and then journey on mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's I think that's a really cool way to contextualize personal development. Yeah. So I'd love to hear also from, I'd love to hear questions and comments about this. Um, I'm sure some people will go ahead and do this exercise. Love to hear your feedback. So if you want to jump in the comments, let us know what your experience with this was or in the community, if you're part of the Ikario community. Would love to, yeah, hear some people's take on this because I think this can be a super valuable tool yeah and where are you at along your journey leave a comment yeah. all right good stuff that's everything thanks for listening guys and we will see you next week see ya